0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, we are thrilled to have Pastor Keith Kraft with us this weekend. Uh, He just knocked it out of the park for our men's conference I, was t- I said, it was a 10. Like, it was a 10. And I kept saying it over and over. Like, seriously, it was a 10. Out of 10, it was a 10. And uh, it just was exactly what we needed. It was one of those things. I want to let you know how we met, because not all of you know this. I was at a pastor's conference a couple years ago in, in California, and uh, Pastor Darren and I were there. This is before our churches came together. We were at the same conference, and we're in line, and I see this Hulk man up there with ginormous biceps and a short sleeve shirt on, and I'm thinking is he a pastor? Because he's gigantor. Yeah, I mean, he's huge. And I'm like, he's probably at the wrong conference because there, there's not a lot of pastors that look like him. A lot of pastors, how many know what I'm talking about? They develop pulpit blisters, you know what I'm talking about? They get, you know. But this guy's like just huge. And so I said to Darren, I said, I'm going to find out if he's at the wrong place or whatever. And if he is a pastor, I'm going to find out if I like him in like 30 seconds. Let's go see. So I walk up to him. And I said, hey, you know, this is the pastor's conference. He's like, yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to be here. And I said, wow, you're a pastor. And we started talking. And about 30 seconds, I'm like, I like this guy. And I think, you know, there's something. There's a connection here. And how many know you don't meet people by accident? Sometimes you have to have boldness to just get out of line and go talk to people and figure out where God wants you to be and who God wants you to meet. But I, I think God brought us together as friends in that moment our, our, our paths have started to get closer and cross more. We were just together in Texas a couple weeks ago, and uh, it is an honor to bring uh, Pastor Keith Kraft in here. He has an amazing church in Frisco, Texas. Uh, he just has a heart for men, a heart for reaching people that don't know Jesus, and uh, has just done so much. I won't brag him up anymore, but I'm just going to tell you, he's got a word for our church, and we are thrilled that he's here. Can you welcome with me Pastor Keith Kraft?
1: Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. back at you hey let 's offer that up to God come on let 's give God our God a big big hand. God we thank you you 're awesome we 're your church you 're awesome. amen Well, greetings and uh, I just got to say a couple of things here first of all. Uh, you know, you've got, I'm not just saying this to, you know, pastor and I aren't here to pat each other on the back, but there is a very much of mutual respect and mutual admiration and mutual honor, and that's the way the kingdom should work. And I just, I honor the fact that you not only have a great pastor, but you have a spiritual father. And Paul said it this way, he said, you have 10,000 teachers, but you have few spiritual fathers. And and I'm just happy to announce to you, y'all don't just have a pastor; you have a spiritual father. And uh, so, Pastor Rob and Father Rob, we, we love you. And uh, I really, uh, I've I've just uh, fallen in love with their family, and um, and um, I, the, his boys. Uh, I had the privilege of just praying over them, and you know, I, I don't always prophesy over everybody, but God gave me a word for both of them, and. Uh, It's just a wonderful family, and so I honor you not only uh, as being here and being a part of their family of origin, but their family of choice. You know, we are God's family of choice. The church that you choose to go to becomes your family of choice. You know, we're not Jews, none of us, but that was was Jesus' family of origin, but he chose us. We're his family of choice, and that's what's great about being a part of a life-giving church, you choose to be a part of a, a family that's bigger than your dysfunctional family. <laughs> Why don't you give God praise for that right now? That's awesome. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so also, I also just want to give some honor. Um, first of all, I did have thirty-seven of our uh, two hundred and fifty-plus mighty men who came along with me, and uh, and you know when we go to Hawaii, we we load the plane with about three hundred guys. When we go to the Bahamas, it's, you know, about 500 guys. And uh, we come to Minnesota, and they go, I think 37 of us would like to. But seriously, they came with me. Guys, would you just stand up? These are my mighty men right here. And uh, awesome. I love you. They, uh, you know how awesome their wives are to let them come along with me on a weekend like this. They pay their own way. And uh, they're, they're here just to support me, to stand with you, to believe that God's doing something new among your men here. And uh, so I just honor them. There's doctors over there. There's oil men over there. There's uh, people that run all types of businesses and, and uh, from all walks of life. But uh, they're just mighty men. And I thank God for that. I also just want to say, as I uh, speak to you today about the unstoppable force I, you know, I haven't said it in any of the other services, but I've got to say it this last service because, you know, I've got about an hour and 45 minutes. And uh, so, I. <laughs> by the way, when I'm closing, if you want me to do more, just go, more, more, more. And, uh, and I'll go, I've got to eat, man. I've done this all morning long. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but I haven't done this in any other services. But I have had the privilege uh, to have a friend that's closer than a brother for 28 years. And he helps me lead these men. I was a youth pastor when I was 23 years old, and I met him. And um, God just knitted our hearts. We have a Jonathan-David relationship. He helps me lead these mighty men. And I just hadn't had the opportunity to honor him all week just because I've been respectful of time. But I want you all to honor my friend today. Just, he's, he, is, he is part of the reason I have strength. And that's why I encourage men to have other men in their lives, because when men have best friends, they don't need another woman in their life. And he helps keep me pure. I've decided I'm not going to a strip club without him. So I've never gone to one in 28 years. Um, I've decided that I'm not going to like do any drugs without him. And he just won't do it. He he won't do it. Um, I've, I've decided that Anyway, this is my friend. Scott, 28 years, my friend right there. So I love you. You're awesome. I had a very dear pastor, a friend of mine that said, the way you talk about him as your best friend. It's like y'all are in elementary school. And the truth is, he didn't understand friendship, and he's a very lonely man. And pastor's one of the largest churches in America. And I think, how familiar is that, that, you, that a guy that's leading one of the largest churches in America makes fun of me for, and he's a friend of mine, by the way, for having a best friend, but he's my BFF. <laughs> I'll, I'll Twitter about him, i Facebook about him, best friends forever. So I love you, buddy. Here, here, here's how awesome he and his wife are. They were both in my youth group. And uh, anyway, way back in the 80s, early 80s. And long story short, we raised our kids together. My son today, I have three beautiful children. Their names are Any Mini, and Mani because my wife said no more. And um, <laughs> um, my son is 24 today. He's preaching in the eighth week that we've been in our new cathedral in Frisco, $36 million cathedral we just built for the glory of God. And uh, he's, uh, he's preaching there today. And then he, the, the guy that's singing is a guy that was just on The Voice. We just started The Voice series. And uh, they, then they stole the TV show after uh, me. But anyway, um, we're trying to get people to turn their chair towards God. And uh, the guy that's singing today is a guy by the name of Des Duran. His Father is a friend of your pastor and I, Denny Duran. Denny Duran is also one of my best friends. We've been together 33 years. And uh, so our kids today are doing the deal. Des is 20. He's on stage. He was a quarterback at Yale and left Yale as a quarterback uh, to pursue a music career for the glory of God. And he said, I'll finish Yale when I can. But, uh, but the, the, the thing about it is I, both of our sons are on stage today together. And, but I think about Scott and his son. In June, we will have the privilege to go to San Diego and watch him get his trident as a Navy SEAL. When we talk about warriors, we're serious. And so, um, it's awesome. His. Uh his his daughter is getting her master's in psychology so she can help us all. Like she <laughs> she she grew up in this family. Go, Dad, I, I know what I've got to do. I gotta help y'all. But anyway, so we're excited. She she will eventually be Dr. Brittany Uncleback. And we're just trying to find a man that can like keep up with her. Like she's so smart. It's like these dumb guys come along. Oh, I do. Anyway, so uh but anyway, just real quick, uh I'm the I'm the privileged and honored husband. Of, uh, of Sheila uh, Wood, whose uncle is George Wood, the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. And uh, so she has a very rich heritage. Uh, for those of you that don't know, you're a part of the Assemblies of God in this church, and uh, which is w- one of the leading denominations in the world that's touching the world because of churches like this. And uh, anyway, uh, she, um, on January 20th, 1976, she said she'd be my girlfriend. And uh, I had just turned 16, so we were old enough. And she was about to turn 16, so she was getting old enough. And so, uh, so she became my girlfriend. And I told her on January 20th, 1976, I said, I will celebrate the 20th of every month for as long as we're together. And of course, I didn't know how long we'd be together then, but this month that's 433 months. We've had 433 anniversaries on the 20th of every month. So our is coming up. I'm a hopeless romantic, that's why I'm a warrior. Warriors are passionate, they're romantics, and I'm not talking about lighting candles, I'm just talking about going there, if you know what I mean. But the reality is, now don't take that wrong, I'm just saying, going there with deep love. And what I've challenged every man here to do that was at our men's conference is to ask your wife this question. Do you feel deeply loved by me? Because many women feel what they'll never say, that Henry David Thoreau said, I'm living a quiet life of desperation because I'm married to a man that doesn't know how to love me. So when we talk to warriors, what we talk about is getting real with your wife and asking her the hard question and saying, do you feel deeply loved by me and being man enough when she says, you know, I like you and I do feel loved by you but I can't say that I feel deeply loved by you. See, most men have never learned what deep love is all about, and that's what I'm talking about when I say going there. Because today I want to talk to you about being an unstoppable force because I want you to understand that God wants you to be unstoppable in your marriage. He wants you to be unstoppable in your business. He wants you to be unstoppable in your family. He wants you to be unstoppable because you're his son and you're his daughter. But we got to get it between each other. we got to learn how this works, and it all works by love. And it doesn't just work by, I love you, I love you too. It doesn't work by us just trying to stay together because we're Christians. The world doesn't need another good Christian. In fact, God's kind of sick of Christians, if you want to know the truth. God God did not send his son to die for a Christian religion. God sent his son to die on a cross for the kingdom. And we are not good Christians. It's time to stop being a good Christian and to think that you're a good person because you're a good Christian. It's time to understand that Jesus died to bring his kingdom from heaven to earth. We're his sons and we're his daughters and we have the privilege to establish his kingdom on this earth through our marriages and through our families and we got to get it. So so what I want to challenge you with today is this, is that God has a great plan for you, but you've got to learn to love deeply. And you've got to get honest enough with each other to say, you know what, at this point in our relationship, do you feel deeply loved by me? And if not, how can I love you? The reality is, is that great lovers are not people who love people the way they need to be loved, or the way that they love, but they find out what says I love you, and they learn to love people that way. My children are not just loved the way I love. Josh needs to be loved a certain way. Keelan needs to be loved a certain way. And Whitney needs to be loved a certain way. And my goal as their father was to learn how to love them that transcended the way that I loved. And so now that I've raised my kids, and it's just wonderful to see them flourish. And so my son today, he's, he's on stage. Like I said, he's preaching the gospel. While I'm preaching the gospel, what a dream come true for that. And... Um, Today he'll speak, including on the internet, to about 44,000 people, and uh, so it's a pretty amazing deal. And so here's what I say to you, is that that who you are is very important, but you cannot know who you are until you know who he is. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, and, and I'm going to get, get into a little bit more about my kids here in a minute, because I, 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 I want you to know that by me being here today, whether you like me or not, maybe you've sit for 30 seconds like your pastor and go, I've decided I don't like him. Uh, (laughs) Just know I get that. (laughs) I understand. But but I'm on an assignment today to give you a word from God. And if you're ready for for a word from God, say, I'm ready. And uh, so anyway, I can't help but talk about my family because uh, I am who I am because of who he is and because of who they are in my life. Uh, Matthew 16, 13, Jesus, when he came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he said, who do men uh, say that I, the Son of Man, am? And I want to ask you a question as you look at the big Bible in the sky right here. Um, by the way, always bring your Bible to church. My wife makes me. Like She goes, you have your Bible with you today? I go, maybe. She goes, you're the pastor. Just bring your Bible. So I had to remember to bring, bring my Bible today, but... I mean, I got my phone. I got all kind of Bibles all around me. But she says, you got to have this Bible. You got to bring this Bible, people. So anyway, bring your Bible to church. But anyway, there'll always be a big Bible in the sky. But um, (laughs) I'm just speaking to you as a father. Uh, Who do men say that I the son of man am? Let me ask you a question. You think that Jesus knew who people thought he was? Of course he did. Who, who, Who do you? Hey, what's the word on the street? Disciples. What are people saying about me? Well, some say you're Jeremiah, Elijah, one of the prophets. Like if you ask the average person today in America, who's Jesus? Well, he's, you know, he's, he's a good man. He's a good leader. He's like Muhammad, you know, leader of a religion. That's what they'd say. I don't believe Oprah. Jesus is the only way. I think there's many ways to God. And everybody buys into that. Can't just be one way to God. Rob Bell writes a book, Love, love Something. What is it? Love Love wins. Love does win with Jesus, but heaven's real, hell's real, God's real, the devil's real. It's the real deal. Love wins, but we've got to understand, Jesus was asking this question. It was provoking for a reason. He said, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets, and then he looked him right in the eye, and he's looking you right in the eye and right in the heart today, and he's asking this same question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I'm not your mama's Jesus. I'm not your denomination's Jesus. I'm not your traditional Jesus. Who who do you say that I am? I love Peter because Peter steps up and you know he had that gift. And he stepped up and he said this. You are the Christ. The Son of the living God. I say you are the Christ. The Son of the living God. The disciples are watching. You are the Christ. You are my Lord. And, you know, it's right there. You know, I mean, when Jesus asks you, who do you say that I am, are you going to go, well, you know, you're, you're my Savior. <laughs> Let's be a little dramatic about it. Who, who is Jesus to you? Peter says, you're not just another Jesus. There's a lot of Jesuses. Listen, if you're from Texas, you know Jesuses are everywhere. I'm I'm being for real. I was in a restaurant the other day and a waiter came up and said, I'm Jesus. How can I help you? And I thought, he's here. Anyway, and for those of you that were at the men's conference, I had a talk with Jesus today in Rob's bathroom. Because those of you that don't know, there's a little Jesus chair in there. I love that. Across from Pastor Rob, just let me give you some insight because some of y'all have never been back in his bathroom. It was the. listen, we are friends. I can tell you this. Because that's what friends do. They're just transparent. Well, I'm in Rob's bathroom and uh, there's a throne in there. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm there. And uh, all of a sudden across from me, I realized there's a chair. I thought, Who sits in that chair? (laughs) Then it came to me. That's the Jesus chair. So when Rob's on the throne, him and Jesus talk. So this morning when I was in there, I took a picture of the Jesus chair, sent it to Rob. I said, me and Jesus are having a little talk before I go on the platform. Anyway, so I, I just love that. I, I'm getting me a Jesus chair in my bathroom. Scott, do not forget. And on Rob's behalf, when he comes and preaches for me, I want a Jesus chair. But I don't want one of those little bitty old female-looking chairs. I want big chair in there. Anyway, so who do you say Jesus is? Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, and he said to them, blessed are you. Can I tell you that you're blessed by the answers that come out of your heart to the questions of life. I can't wait till the series next week when I can listen to your pastor online and take the notes and say, look what the Lord spoke to me as I share it with our church. What matters most and what doesn't matter. I'll steal everything. And my church will go, you're brilliant. And I'll go, I know. I can't wait till next week, Rob. It's going to be awesome. Just take those notes and go to our creative meeting and go, you know, because here's how it is. Listen, this is really how it is. This is the last service so y'all aren't getting some stuff other people didn't get. Anyway, is that all right? Thanks for coming to the 11 o'clock service. Anyway, so, so for real, an hour and 45 minutes. So anyway, so, so here's, the, here's the deal. Um, you know, like, like when somebody tells you something that's real good, Like, the first time you tell somebody, here's what you say. Like, sir, what's your name? Ken. Hey, I was talking to Ken the other day. Here's what Ken said. The first time I tell him something good you said, I say, here's what Ken said. The next time I tell it to somebody else, I said, you know, I had a thought the other day. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. Let me put one more step in there. The next time I say it, I say, God was speaking to me about... (laughs) And then the next time I say, you know, I had a thought the other day. (laughs) I had a friend of mine one time. He said, God just spoke something to me. I said, what was it? He said, surely, goodness, and mercy are my three angels. I said, surely, goodness, and mercy? He said, yeah, you know that scripture, surely, goodness, and mercy. Anyway, so, okay. All right, back to the word. Blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Who's building River Valley Church? Come on, somebody talk back to me. Jesus. Come on, who's building this church? Jesus. So so when Pastor gets up here and he's the lead and he's the spiritual father of this house, and he says, Listen, we we we're gonna do sixty thousand for Swaziland to finish this out and we're gonna then we're gonna take another hundred thousand. And some people go, man, does it never end here? No, it never ends. Why? Because Jesus said, I will build my church, and he is the head, and we are his body. And he says, Here's what I want you to do. Don't just think about getting all you can, canning all you get, and sitting on your can. Your destiny. It's not just to provide for your family, sir. Your destiny is not just to get out of college and get a good job. Your destiny is not just having our four and no more. You see, that's everybody else. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it if my sons and my daughters get it. Why? Because we got a work to do in Swaziland because we have young people. Watch this now. Most young people, even that are raised in church, they turn 18, they go away to university. They lose their religion. You know why? Because that's what it was. It was religion. And they don't know that they're spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers who nurture them along the way. But not just nurture them by bringing them to Sunday school and bringing them to church, but nurture them because as spiritual mothers and fathers, not just natural mothers and fathers, but as spiritual mothers and fathers. You know that our responsibility is to do what Jesus said. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every person. Make disciples. Teach them to observe these things and the world will be saved. We understand that because it's his church we're his body they're our children and you know what under our rule and what god's called us to do is the tribe of god you're not going to go to university you're not going to lose your religion because you never had religion at river valley church we have the king of kings and the lord of lords he is our lord that's why we do what we do so we invest we don't give we invest Because if we don't invest in the future and in the kingdom of God, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? We're the church. He says, I will build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Somebody say with me, "unstoppable unstoppable force. Here's what I want to tell you. A couple of things that I'm going to be through. If God has said you're an unstoppable force, you can't be stopped. If hell can't stop you, by the way, can the economy? Like people go, man, gas, gas. Turn on a news channel last night. Since Obama took office, $2 more a gallon in gas. You know what I say? Thank you, God. It can go to four, it can go to six, it can go to eight. Whatever they're doing over there, whatever we're doing over here, I'm a son of God, and because I'm your son, if it's $8 a gallon, God, you'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm not going to complain, gripe, bellyache, be political about it. Bring it on. Bring it on. Let God be God. Let the politics fight about that. Try to figure it out. We're not politicians. We're sons and daughters of God. And we got to know if we're going to be unstoppable who He is. That's what Jesus was asking. Who do you say that I am? Uh, I mentioned my kids. Josh, he's 24 today. I have a 23 year old daughter. By the way, let me just say something about Josh. There is no woman in his life. At RU, he went to RU, and at RU, I'd go on campus with him. I go, what about her? Like, I just got an eye for it. (laughs) I I just do. What about her? And her. And her. And her. He goes, Dad, listen. Finally, he goes, one day, he goes, listen, Dad, listen. I'm not really going to even do the married thing until I'm 30. Because here's the thing. I'm going to be about my father's business. And I'm going to buy my first house. I'm going to have my car paid for. I'm going to be well into what God's called me to do then I'll worry about a woman because if I worry about a woman before that, she will mess up everything. (laughs) So I'm here on an assignment. I'm the father. I'm looking for a righteous fox. I'm throwing... He has a house. His car is paid for. He loves God. Is there anybody here Okay. But it's not just him. It's my 23-year-old daughter. She's the same wacky way. It's like, I don't want to date dad, not tell... Hey, listen, God will work all that out. She's beautiful. She's, she's, she's amazing. In fact, in 1980, we were at Evangel College, and uh, it's become a university since then, so I'm not sure what that says. But nonetheless, I, I went to it when it was a college, and I played basketball there. And anyway, my wife was a little cheerleader. And, uh, and so... Uh, I'll tell you, we've been together for 433 minutes. I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, so in 1980, we're having a devotion slash making out. <laughs> How many of y'all real spiritual people know what I'm talking about? This? <laughs> so that's what you do. It's sort of the, for those of you that are familiar with um, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, you do the devotion Let's pray, you hold hands, get in the spirit together, then all of a sudden it's next. Anyway, so I'm just being honest with you. So, uh, so we were having a devotion, making out a little bit. I know Rob, you and Becca never did that, but nonetheless. Because here's what I found out. Becca put the Jesus chair in there, and they've always had the Jesus chair everywhere they've gone. But anyway, seriously. I, um, I told her, I said, I think we're going to have three children someday. We didn't get married until three years later. But I said, I think we're going to have three children someday, and the second one's going to be a girl, and we're going to name her half of our names, half Keith and half Sheila, Keela. What do you think about that? She goes, I like that. So nine years later, when our second was born and she was a girl. I'm so glad about that because Keila is a boy. Anyway, so, um, so we named her Keela. She's gorgeous. She's blonde. She's beautiful. She can sing. She's prophetic. She can preach. I'm looking for her too. I mean, I'm just believing some Minnesota and I mean somebody up here. But, but the reality is she was, when she was four years old, listen to how she is. I traveled with the power team. Some of you know who that is. Breaking bricks, concrete, all in the 80s. And they had my own group called Strike Force. And I was a promise keeper speaker and all kinds of stuff. Traveled, and did corporate stuff. Well, I come in off the road. And here's what started when she was four years old. She's 23 now. So 19 years ago, I walked through the door after being on the road. Here's what happened. I heard these little footprints running towards me. She drops to her knees, lifts her hands up, and she says, Welcome home, my prince. I was like, then she bends down, kisses my left foot, kisses my right foot and said, I've been waiting for you to get here. I'm so glad you're here. I'd never taught her this. And I said, let's go get your mom. And listen, here's, here's, come here, Kila, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk in the door again. Have your mom standing right over here. I want you to come do the same thing. So she goes, okay. Anyway, that, that never caught on. But nonetheless, the truth is, still to this day, if I come home and she's home, welcome home, my prince. I asked her one time when she was in her teen, teenage years because it never stopped. I said, why do you do that? She said, you're my daddy. That's just a way that I can honor you. You see, if we're going to be unstoppable, we have to know who He is. And we have to honor Him that way. Jesus doesn't just want to hear you say, hey, I'm a Christian. If you were to ask God this question, God, what do you want more than anything else? I'm your son, I'm your daughter. How can I please you? His one answer would be, not love other people his one answer would be honor me And I want to talk to the heart of every man here for just a minute it's the same way with your wife how can you love her deeply it starts with honor I don't know why I got that early it was a God thing I'm not patting myself on the back it was a God thing that when I told her on the 20th of every month that's when you said yes I will honor the day you said yes in my life as long as we're together. And all over our house, there's these treasure boxes. That's what she calls them. And they're full of cards that 432 until the 20th of this month, and she'll have her 433rd. And she's gotten a card every month to honor the day that she said yes for the first time. You see, what's in this house, like when you hear people clap, when you saw my mighty men stand up back there, it's not like worshiping a man. It's just honor. In our church, we start our church every week just not by the worship team coming out and rocking it. We start every week by the Word being read. And when the worship team takes the stage, there's no music. Somebody just walks up, or this week it was Billy Graham, a video of Billy Graham reading the Word. And somebody reads the Word of God and people stand and they clap because the Bible says He sent His Word and His Word healed them. What I love about this church and what's already in this family that's coming into this church, that's why the mighty men have signed up, is a spirit of honor like you've never known. And when you learn honor, and you learn to do that in your marriage, and you learn to do that with your kids, and you learn to do that with your pastor, and you learn to do that with the kingdom, and you saw, hey, how many of you drove in the parking lot this morning and people were clapping? What, what did you feel? Well, those guys are idiots. You couldn't help unless you're totally numb but feel honor because that's the new spirit that's going to be elevated more than ever in this church. The marriages are going to characterize it. The men are going to characterize it. It's going to be characterized by the leadership here because when we know who he is, the pastor says it's offering to him. We know it's not about money. God, I'm in your house. This week I made $10. And God, I want you to have the first one. I'm in your house. I'm going to lead my family this way. I'm going to lead my business this way. I'm not going to pay my house payment, my car payment, feed my kids before I honor my God. Because your word says... If I'll do that, you will open the windows of heaven over my life and pour out blessings on me that I cannot contain. And on top of all that, you'll rebuke the devourer on my behalf. God, here's the first dollar, because it ain't about the dollar. It's about here's my first way to honor you. That's why we do it, because we know who he is. That's why we stand up. Some of you that are are visitors today, and you come in, and you you thought in your mind, because everybody does that first comes, (sighs) oh. I oh, stand a lot in this church? Oh, it's that like clapping stuff. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. I don't even know that song. Funny story. Remember, this is the last service. I was in the eighth grade, and I'm at an evangel temple, a little assembly of God church. Here's what happened to Rob. I was, I was insecure. Anybody here ever been insecure? I was insecure because I was bigger than everybody. You'd think I'd be secure. But when you wear a size 14 shoe when you're 14, you follow your feet out the door. I and mean, that was one of the reasons I was insecure. Now, today, I want you to look. I've got John Barbados. These are the coolest. These, these shoes right here, these are cool. You can't get these anywhere. This is a laceless John Varvatos shoe. I know in Minneapolis that may not mean anything. In Texas, it doesn't either. But to me but to me to find a stylish shoe in 15, oh, I want to worship the shoe. Anyway, so but when I was listen, 1974, there was no John Barbados. There were no shoes. You know what I wore? True, I've never told my best friend this. You know what I wore in the eighth grade because it was the only thing that fit? A Navy-issue white shoe. You should have seen it. (laughs) Our insecurities affect every area of our life. It doesn't matter if it's your feet, your head, that bump on your nose, whatever. And I'm in church. It's affecting the way I worship God because I'm not really getting who He is. And I remember that first Sunday. It's the first time I actually lifted my hands. And here's how I did it. And I thought, Nobody's gonna see me, but I just want to worship God with my hands raised. Listen to this. Here's what happened. A lady comes to me after the service. This is the true story. She goes, "I saw you raise your hands." <laughs> I said, "You did." She goes, "Yeah, and I want to tell you something." What? The Holy Spirit wants me to tell you something. I go, oh, go, 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 okay. She says, when you worship, turn your hands inward like this. When you praise, turn your hands outward like this. Because when you praise, you praise outward. When you worship, turn your hands inward. I thought, is it really that complicated? <laughs> this is true. I thought, my goodness. So the next Sunday, here's what I did. I thought, okay, I know nobody's watching except her. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if it was praise or if it was worship. Always know you're right. I mean, if you lift your hands, just always go like this. So it's a true story. Listen, you got to know who he is. The next thing, listen very carefully, you got to know who you are. You know what our problem is? We don't know who we are. So the great lawyer comes to Jesus and the great lawyer says this. What's the greatest commandment, Master? Trying to trick him. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like the first. way. Well, I don't want to ask you for one. No, 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 there's another one. Love your neighbor, come on, as yourself. Wow. You know, you had over 7,000 people for Easter. That's great. But you're back at four today. What's the point? Let's love ourselves enough that we find it difficult to come without bringing our neighbor That we find it difficult. That we make it our goal as God's sons and daughters to make sure that we love our neighbors enough to invite them to the house of God so they can find out what matters most and what really doesn't. You got to know who you are. Um, my dad was a, was a policeman, Dallas cop. In fact, he's the original CSI guy for... Um, For the Dallas Police Department, he did the crime scene investigation for the JFK assassination. He was the first one up in the Texas Book Depository. Found Lee Harvey Oswald's rifle. Found the chicken box, the whole thing. For those of you that know a little bit about history. That's the kind of home I grew up in. So I want you to look at your hand. Everybody look at your hand right now. I'm going to tell you something that perhaps you've never heard before. And I want you to listen very carefully. You have a fingerprint that nobody in history has ever had and that nobody in the future will ever have. Maybe you've never thought about that. Your parents didn't have your fingerprint. Your brothers and sisters don't have your fingerprint. Nobody's ever had it. Nobody ever will. Why would God do that? Jesus, in his longest prayer, John 17, 22, he said, "'Father, you've given me your glory. Now I give it to them.'" How do you know that you have the glory of God? Most of us don't think about it. We don't know that we... Jesus, His number one goal, watch this, was not to forgive us of our sins. His number one reason for coming was to give us the glory of God. But we don't consciously think about that, do we? And yet at the end of our fingertips is a fingerprint that nobody in history has ever had and that nobody in the future will ever have. What is it that God's saying? Is that when you understand who you are, that you're my son and you're my daughter, you'll be able to leave an imprint that nobody else in history has ever been able to leave. Now take a look up here at me just for a second. You got to know who you are. You know what mankind does with your fingerprint? Identifies you with a crime. That's what it was like growing up in my house. (laughs) My dad would go, who did it? You know why we did that? Because he'd start throwing the powder out. (laughs) I mean, we never lied. You didn't go, I didn't do that. It was like, yeah, it was you. That was my dad. Brilliant, okay? So here's the deal. Listen to this. My dad grew up without a dad. My dad did not know God. My dad was on the board of an Assembly of God church and had no covenant with God. Just a good guy, sit in church like many of you men. Sit in church here and thought it was good for the wife and good for the kids, so he was here, a good man in that regard. Was loved by the church, so was on the board, helping lead a church spiritually without knowing anything about God, personally, not knowing who he was. When I was 12 years old, my dad would take me to to school in his squad car. I was in about the seventh grade. And here's how it was. He'd drive up, look straight ahead and say, hope you have a good day, son. My father didn't have a father. I'd look at him right in his ear. <laughs> I'd go, I love you, dad. And he'd go, I um, never had a dad that told him he loved him. I, uh, and he would finally get it out. And I would say, you know that's not going to work. This happened every day. And he'd sit there and look straight ahead. I'd pull his face around in front of me. Kiss him right on the lips. And I go, I love you, dad. (laughs) He'd go, "Um, uh, I love you too, son. So I would get out of the car. My friends would always come for the show. You have to understand, in the seventh grade, I was 5'9". My father was 5'11". My mother would just beat me up about this. She would say, Keith Allen, that's my middle name. When you're in your dad's squad car, you're riding right over next to him, almost sitting on his lap with your arm around him, sometime with your hand between his leg. You look like a couple of homosexuals going down the road. She said, I'm going to ask you not to do that when you're in his squad car. One day it hit me and I started crying. And I can't hardly hold back the emotion every time I share this. I said, Mom, God showed me something. She said, what? God show me that dad never had the love of his dad. He never had another man tell him he loved him. His dad never hugged him. His dad never kissed him. And mom, if you'll let me, I'm going to keep riding right next to him, not just in his squad car, but every time I'm with him. If you'll let me, I'm going to keep putting my arm around him. If you'll let me, I'll keep grabbing his leg right between his legs. Mom, if you'll let me. I'm just going to love dad the way God's told me to love him like his dad never loved him. She goes, "Okay, yeah, yeah, you you go you do that." <laughs> Everybody say fingerprint. You see, it's not what your dad or mom did or didn't do. It's not what your ex-husband did or didn't do. It's not what somebody else has done to you. You've got a fingerprint that nobody else has to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave. Don't let anybody else mess up your fingerprint because that's the glory of God that you've got that we need, that this church needs, that makes all of us more wonderful because you're in our life. So, so my dad, my dad at Easter, my dad at Easter... He's 81. He's at our Easter service. He's in my green room next to the Jesus chair. Just kidding. And I said, hey, Dad. He's not quite 5'11 anymore. He goes, hi, son. I walked over to him and grabbed his face, kissed him right on the lips. I said, I love you, Dad. He goes, I love you, too. It still kind of messes with him a little bit. Sometimes I'll walk in a room with him, he'll go like this before I say anything. Because <laughs> he knows he's gonna get it one way or the other. When my dad was 67, he had a massive heart attack. I was at by his bed for four days in a row in a heart transplant unit. Every hour on the hour for four days in a row, I said, God, speak to my dad. Speak to him. God speaking to his spirit while he can't resist, speak to him. And four days later, when they took him off the heart monitor, every time they kept taking him off the heart monitor and kept pulling the lung machine, the breathing machine off, his heart wouldn't beat by itself. Quadruple bypass. His lungs wouldn't work by themselves. Four days later, they they pulled it out. His lungs worked. His heart worked. The first thing that came out of his mouth was he said, after all these years, he said, God is real. God is real. God is real. What's my point? You bring your fingerprint to your family. You bring your imprint to your family. You know enough of who you are that you don't give anybody permission to mess up the awesome you that God created you to be and leave that imprint everywhere you go. So, for those of you men that never cry, welcome to warriorhood. Gotta break, gotta break you up, man. Listen to this, I want to close because I'm really hungry. And Rob's over there, his foot's going. Just kidding. Love you, man. Anyway, if my wife was here and she's not, she'd be going. (laughs) So that's it, that's good. Now the piano player is coming because it is time. Come on up here, buddy. Just come. (laughs) Rob, Pastor Pastor Rob goes, get up there quick. Get up there. It's a a good time. (laughs) Killing me softly with his son. (laughs) Killing me softly. Finish it. (laughs) Well, I can tell the age of this crowd right here, man. Yeah, baby. Okay. We're about ready to go. You got it going? Perfect. Listen, I want you to hear this from God through this imperfect vessel. I will build my church, Jesus said. You're it. And the gates of hell won't be able to prevail against you. That means the economy won't. That means a job loss won't. That means a divorce won't. That means abuse won't. Nothing can stop you. You're my church, and I'll build my church, and that means I'll build you, and I'll rebuild you if I have to, and I'll rebuild you as many times as you need to be rebuilt because I'm a merciful God. But listen to this. you got to know who He is. you got to know who you are. Man, you got a fingerprint. I hope you never forget that. Amazing thing about water, the chemical equation, for those of you that are really smart, chemical equation for water worldwide is what? Y'all are a church full of smart people. (laughs) But guess what Minnesotans know that Texans don't always know? That if you take water and you change the environment, a drop of water becomes a snowflake. And up in Minnesota, you know that there are no two snowflakes. Why would that be? Because it's a picture in the natural that God takes what's common. We're human. You're my sister. You're my brother. And he puts us in a river valley church. And in this atmosphere, he says, the unique, special, awesome glory of God that's in you. You're going to learn that. And everybody around you, your wife and your children, but not just them, but the teams that you serve on they're going to be the beneficiary of the glory of God then when people that don't know God walk in this room they're not going to understand what it is there's all these snowflakes in here people that know what their fingerprint is and they're going to get an imprint left on them that doesn't say River Valley Church but says J-E-S-U-S because that's the job of the church so you got to know who God is. you got to know who you are. But watch this. you got to know what you're put on the earth to do. And it's not to be an insurance guy. It's not to be an automotive guy. It's not to be a banker. It's not to be a doctor. It's not to be a dad. It's not to be a husband. Those are all gifts from God. But we're put on this earth to advance His kingdom. So I close with this. This is the Dallas Morning News. This is Thanksgiving Day, 1961. That little bald headed boy was me. That's my dad, Jimmy the Cop. That's my beautiful mother, who today is 76, and she hadn't changed a bit since she was 74. <laughs> She's beautiful. That's my brother in the back, and I won't take time to talk about him, but the person I want to focus on is the person in the back because that's how she always was. She was always in the background but she knew who God was and she knew who she was and she knew what she was put on the earth to do my mama taught Sunday school for 60 years wasn't real celebrated in fact I want to just read you this Thanksgiving blessing for those of you that don't have supersonic vision this was the caption on the front page of one of the largest newspapers in the United States of America Thanksgiving Day 1961 young Keith Allen Kraft that would be me will be a real live Thanksgiving blessing this year to his parents, Mr. and Miss James M. Craft, his grandmother, Miss Fred Ferguson, that's my grandmother back there, and his brother, Bruce Craft. The boy suffocated, but was brought back to life earlier this year. You see, what happened right before this picture was taken was my mother had left the house to go to a choir banquet at her church, and she had laid a laundry clothes bag out on the bed, and I was in a playpen, and my mamaw had come over to take care of me and my brother. And my mother, there was a window that was open in the room. That's the only thing they could figure out. And so after my mom left for about 15, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, my brother walked into the kitchen where she was and said, mamaw, Mama keys saw blue. And she didn't think anything about it because she knew he was just like he is right there in that picture. And... He came in about 15 minutes later. Anyway, it had been about an hour since my mother left. He kept coming in. Key saw blue, key saw blue. So finally she went in to check on me. And what she found was I was inside this playpen with, she didn't even know what it was. It looked like I was plastic. Because the laundry clothes bag and I had become one. Somehow that laundry clothes bag got around me and as I gasped for breath, it slowly suffocated me to death. She took the bag off of me to find that there was blood coming from my ears, my nose, and my mouth. I was blue. I was dead. She called the emergency number, and in 1961, it wasn't like now where there's an emergency care place down the street and a hospital close. The hospital was about 20 to 25 minutes away, and an ambulance was dispatched. And as she waited, 20 minutes passed, and then 30 minutes passed. And she held me on the corner of 4416 West Clarendon. Finally, some firemen rolled up. They said, we're so sorry, the ambulance had a flat tire. We got the call. E.R. Kaufman jumped out of the fire truck and he looked at me and without totally causing her to lose hope, he said, ma'am, we're going to try everything we can, but how long has it been? She said, I don't even know, at least 30 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe longer. And he's not been breathing? No. They tried oxygen. It didn't work. They tried mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. It didn't work. They pronounced me dead on the scene. They pulled a sheet over my head. Now, I'm a little boy, so they pulled this big sheet over me. My mamaw, who in this article is listed as Miss Fred Ferguson, and I'll get to that in a minute. She had been praying, but at that point when they pulled the sheet over me, she was a born-again, spirit-filled Similarly, God's sc- Sunday school teacher. She said, God, you're the giver of life. You're the one that gives life. And you have the power, if you want to, to resurrect this boy. And I'm going to ask you today, resurrect him in Jesus' name. And she had no sooner finished that prayer. Then after an hour, maybe an hour and a half of no breath, the sheet that was over me, like a gush of wind, blew off of me. My eyes popped open. Now listen, you think my eyes are big now. Your eyes never grow. (laughs) I'm looking around. I'm breathing normal. The fireman goes, literally, "Ah!" (laughs) And my mamma exacerbated it by doing this. She just, like, broke out. She's worshiping God. I came back to life. It was a miracle, documented miracle. They took me to the doctor, and the doctor said, how long was he like this? They said, we don't even know, 30 minutes an hour. what?" Now you know. He said, I'm sure he has brain damage. Listen. When I was in school, when I made a C, my parents went, oh. (laughs) When I made a D, oh. When I made an F, they said, we understand. So anyway, (laughs) here's what I want to tell you. The rest of the story is this. My mamaw, six years before 1955, was diagnosed with breast cancer. In 1950s, you have breast cancer, you're dead. They did a double mastectomy, but before they did the double mastectomy, she sat with her husband of 30-plus years, Mr. Fred Ferguson. And when he found out her breasts were going to have to be removed, here's what he said. That means you won't be a woman anymore. Walked out of the doctor's office, never to talk to her again. The day she found out she had cancer, that her breasts were going to be removed, her husband left her. It broke my mama's heart. Some of you know that pain. It broke her heart. It wasn't the cancer, and it wasn't even the radiation after. In fact, you can't see it, but in that picture, the radiation that they was experimental at that time, that she had to sign her life away and not blame the doctors no matter what happened, burnt her body so that the rest of her life she would live with open wounds. But six years later, this unstoppable force, that cancer couldn't stop, that divorce couldn't embitter, that life could not dissuade, stood on a street corner with me in her arms. And after everybody, including the experts, said, it's over, it's done. When you're an unstoppable force, God says, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my church and the gates of hell and nothing else will be able to stop you. I want to end by saying this. Two things. Some of you are here today and you don't know him. Today's your day. He's real. At 52, I'm still breathing. And I don't know what happened, but like Cher, God turned back the clock. (laughs) You got to admit, I don't look 52. I don't feel 52. Try suffocation. It works. Anyway, (laughs) the truth is, listen, God's kept me young. It's amazing. My doctor says, your body's 30 years old. We We don't understand it. It's amazing. It's amazing. What's the point? Here's what I want you to get. Listen very carefully. Doesn't matter what you've been through. God wants you to know him. Bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, you do your work just like you did that day that I came back to life. If you're here and you say, Keith, my life is not right with God and I want to get my life right with God today. I don't care if you've been in church or never been in church. This is your moment. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. Don't let anything stop you because it's time for... You to become unstoppable you say, i'm not where i need to be with god i'm not right with god and i want to get right with god if that's you on three slip up your hand one two three come on all over this place all over this place all over this place lift it up yes 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 anybody else anybody else all right you can put your hands down There be look up here at me if you're in this room and you feel like i've had stuff in my life i don't know if it's abuse divorce something seemingly not that awful but you feel like, I've just been being stopped and I want to step into my unstoppable force that God's called me to be. And you know who you are. If that's you, along with the people who already raised their hand, I'm going to count to three and I want you to stand up because here's what you're doing. You're moving from being stoppable to being unstoppable. And no more pitiful, no more feeling sorry, no more, I don't know what's going on, no more, I'm going to blame this or I'm going to blame that. Today, I'm stepping in as a son and as a daughter of God to say, I'm His church. He's my head i'm a part of his body i'm going to be unstoppable and i want that power and i want that strength to be able to do that with the people that already raised their hand you stand to your feet when i count to three one two three come on all over this place all over this place pastor rob come on i want you to lift up your hands let me just tell you something today everything changes everybody look at me today everything changes I'm under the authority of the Holy Spirit right now to tell you, today, everything changes. Today, you move into an unstoppable force that God's called you to live in and to be because now today, you know who He is, you know who you are, and you know what you're put on the earth to do. It all changes today. This is not just church. This is kingdom. Father, I thank You for what You're going to do. I thank You that this is the beginning. I thank You that you are our God, we are your sons and daughters, and we're on this earth to be an unstoppable force for your kingdom, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
0: Amen.